WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week's guest is the writer of Marvel's Wastelander, Star Lord, Happy Hill from Comics Tribe. The upcoming The Ocean Will Take Us from Aftershock and a contributor to DC Superman Red and Blue. Please welcome back Rich Dweck. Uh, thank you again for being a uh, three-peat guest, Rich. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, always have a good time here, so happy to be back. Right on. Uh, so uh, a little small talk first. Uh, how's your Wordle streak? Since that, since it's that's the game good. that everyone is playing now. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I think I'm about like uh, six in a row right now. So, nice. so, you know, holding strong, holding strong. It's good. I like it because it's like, it's just like a little kind of, brain exercise i do like in the morning you know kind of mm-hmm. have my coffee do the wordle and uh you know kind of get up to speed for the day so i dig it <laughs> it's it's interesting i you know it's it's not the same kind of game obviously uh and, and nowhere near as immersive but it coming out now amid this current you know, wave of the pandemic reminds me of when Animal Crossing New Horizons came out. Yeah. At the very beginning of the pandemic. I'm like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll Thank- tell you what I what I what what I like about it though is that mm-hmm. it's like you just play it, you play it and you're done. It's not like you know, there's not like a little pop-up every two minutes trying to get you to buy like uh you know some downloadable content for like you know 20 bucks or something like that or you know you don't have to it's like uh it's just like a fun thing you know boom do it and done like uh i dig it but yeah it is funny how like how it caught on and like everybody's posting it like (laughs) (laughs) you know and 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 it's like and it's it's the same entry for everybody you know like you're scrolling through twitter and all of a sudden you get like three things in a row of people with weird like green and gray and yellow squares and and finally you're like what the fuck is this (laughs) <laughs> somebody yeah. gives you a link and yes one of us and you're off yeah. you need to send me one of those links. Yeah. i i will <laughs> uh man so the last time we had you on the show uh june 2020 uh we were mm-hmm. in this weird sort of liminal space where the world was was melting uh, and you had a comic uh, to promote, Sea of Sorrows from IDW, uh, but you didn't know when it was coming out because everything had shut down. You know, no, nobody knew when yep. anything was coming out at that point. Now we're we're a year and a half later. The world is still melting, uh, but in that time, you've published your first work with both Marvel and DC. Uh, so generally, uh, you know, and we'll kind of get into each one of these projects as we go on. But uh, how do you feel about? being in comics making comics now versus june 2020 you know what's what's changed for you uh well uh you know things are actually coming out uh that, that's like the major change uh because. you know CSR, yeah csro like uh it was supposed to come out i think in may 2020 mm-hmm. um but then it wound up getting delayed and it didn't start coming out until uh i want to say like mid-november um so it was just really frustrating because you know like we'd done all this work to try and like get the word out and get people excited about it and then it was like oh sorry you're gonna have to wait like six months but Mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the, the good, th the, I, and it's not like a good thing, but like, I guess like the only kind of saving grace was that everything was shut down. So, so it was just like, we weren't kind of alone in that. And I think people kind of understood that, you know, we were just doing the best we can. Um, so I think like, honestly, like, I think it's only kind of like just now that a lot of publishers are kind of coming out of those delays because, you know, there was like a time there where like a, a lot of um, projects were just getting backed up and mm. they, everybody had to kind of go back and look at their schedule and some things that may have like come out, were scheduled to come out sooner, had to get delayed. Then that pushes other stuff back. So it's, there's been kind of like this, um, like a lag in things that I think are, is finally starting to like kind of, uh, things are starting to like open back up a little bit. And then, you know, the other thing is that, um, you know, we've all kind of had to get used to um, a world without conventions, a world without like, you know, even people going into the office. And, and you know, it's challenging when you're trying to get, when you're trying to like make new connections and, and get new projects off the ground, because, you know, it's not that you can't do it over email or over zoom or something like that, but it's just, you know, one of the great things about cons is getting to meet creators and fans and stuff. But then there's also this kind of like networking thing where like, you know, you could meet an editor and you may have a conversation, maybe you'll have a drink or, or a meal together or something. And it just makes it like that much easier for them to kind of think when they think of you like, Oh yeah, I like that guy. I had a good time, you know, we were hanging out and then makes it maybe that much easier to at least get their attention or something. So kind of being without that, it's a lot harder to kind of, uh, I guess, like make those inroads as a professional. Mm -hmm. So it has been pretty challenging, but luckily for me, uh, a lot of the stuff that has came out in 2021 had kind of been at least like, set in motion like beforehand you know like um like superman red and blue came out um i think june june of 2021 but like i had the editor on that uh jamie rich i had i had known him for like a few years and we had been talking and talking and uh finally he had like um he had a, a you know project that he he thought he could um you know, get in print, like it was, he was uh, heading up the Batman office for, for some time, but then he moved over to the Superman office and I just dropped an email just to say like, kind of congratulations, looking forward to it. I love Superman, I have this one Superman idea I'd love to do. And he was just like, oh, well, let me know what it is. So, you know, I sent it over and, uh, and he was like, he was like, okay. He's like, I like this a lot. And he's like, if you want it, if you wanted to do it as like an issue, it would have to be like an inventory issue, which is like, you know, one of those ones where it's like kind of a, a backup story. Like you, you produce the issue and then they kind of hold it in a filing cabinet somewhere. And then mm -hmm. like if uh, a writer or an artist or whatever, if, 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 if like a deadline gets blown and they need something to like kind of swap in to give the, you know, people more time to create the book, then, you know, the inventory issue comes out and he was like, but then you, you run the risk of it never coming out because, you know, everybody's a 
professional and, you know, <laughs> tends to like get their work in on time and stuff like that. Sure. So he was like, if you want to do it that way, like I'm happy to do it. He's like, but if you can get the story down to like, if you feel like you could tell the story in eight pages, I have like a slot for it. So I was like, I'll, I will find a way to tell the story in eight pages. And, you know, um, yeah. And uh, it turned out to be Superman Red and Blue, which was, you know, amazing experience. I, you know, it's one of those things like I always dreamed of telling a Superman story in a comic, but I, you know, never really like part of me was like, this is never going to happen. You know what I mean? Just because it just seems like, um, you know, it just seems like you have to like go through a lot of uh, you have to like, you know, be like Bendis or something like have that level of success mm-hmm. to kind of get, get that character. But I mean, the great part about it was that it was just, you know, like a short story, no, nothing with nothing to do with like continuity or anything like that. So kind of the, it was a lot more open as far as like, you know, what, what it was allowed to do. Um, and, you know, who I was allowed to kind of bring in, like, you know, I can have like, I, I, I like brought in like every Superman villain I could think of, which is pretty hilarious. Like, you know, even if they're, most of them were just in there for like just one panel, but mm-hmm. nobody was like, oh, can't, you can't use Brainiac because he's currently dead. You can't lose Lex Luthor. He's, you know, currently half alien or something like that. So, so that was a lot of fun just being able to like, you know, kind of cut loose and, and really like, you know, tell the story I wanted to tell. And I got to work with uh, Joe Kidones on it, who's just an amazing artist and like one of the nicest people I've like uh, encountered in the game. So, mm-hmm. so it was a lot of fun. So it, so- it sounds like, you know, you had the, the, the script first and everything else in terms of where the story was running, who was drawing it, you know, the, 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 the red and blue motif of Superman red and blue, like that all came later. Is that, is that, yeah, well, I mean, I, I had like a, I had like a pitch and like an outline for it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, just basically, just like you know, here's here's the story. Here's why it's relevant. Here's you know why I feel it would make a great Superman story. And then Red and Blue is already kind of like planned and happening. I just didn't know about it because okay. how would I? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it was like, uh, but Jamie was at, you know, just luckily when i when i pitched it to him he was in the process of like nailing down like all the stories they were going to do for the whole series and you know he had an open slot so it was great now were you given a a slate of artists to pick from were you able to bring in an artist or was it you know okay you've got joe quinones here you go that's kind of how it wound up because what it was is he when we were kind of like, when we knew we were going to do it, he was like, okay, start, start thinking of some artists you might want to work with. Like, you know, um, just, you know, anyone, anyone you think like might be a good fit. And I was like, I I, I was just like, oh, okay. I really got to think hard about this. So it was like, you know, because it's like, this is like, it was like my first big shot like you know on like a dc or marvel thing so i was like okay i really want to put a lot of thought into this and really want to think like you know and give him like some names that would be you know um 
like feasible, but also like, you know, like really exciting. Uh, so I was in the middle of, of putting like a list together and going back and forth and, and, and thinking like, yes. And, and while I was doing all that deliberating, like uh, uh, I had sent in like a, a separate, like check-in email or something. And, uh, and he was like, all right, this is great. And we, we got Joe Canone, so we're good to go. You could start scripting. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to say no to that. Uh, you know? <laughs> Dude's amazing. And, uh, you know, so it was really kind of like, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, them doing, uh, or I guess Jamie doing, uh, doing some matchmaking there. Um, but I think like, you know, probably like if I had gotten back to him sooner with the list, like it might've like worked out differently, but I was just sort of, um, just got inside my own head with it and was like, just like really trying to like, uh, not, you know, make a misstep as far as like suggesting someone, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, super happy with how it worked out. It's like beautiful, beautiful story. Like, uh, just all, all the work he did was like amazing. Absolutely. I mean, that that's of all of, of all the DC artists to get paired with for, you know, your first published work with them. I mean, that's, just yeah. you know, <laughs> I, yeah, no, it was, it, it was like, uh, yeah, I, I was like shocked. I was like, I could, I kind of like, I was like, really? Like, <laughs> you know, like I thought it was like joking or something, but uh, it turned out to be serious. So, it, it, you know, it's like, like you're uh i don't know putting like your like first album together and they're like oh yeah we got you know david bowie to do the guitars for you or something like that you know or like uh -huh. yeah we're gonna see, we're gonna put yeah okay we, we need a guitarist so we're gonna you know we're gonna get slash it's like <laughs> you know or like something like that like so i was like amazing yeah it was like really really happy uh, it's like getting it's like getting Brian Eno or Rick Rubin to produce your demo tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was a good experience, you know. It was uh, you know just a lot of uh, you know it's different than like when you're kind of writing your own uh, working on your own series or or you know something that's like you know, like a creator owned or independent kind of thing. But uh, I thought it was just a great, great, great experience from like start to finish. Like, you know, there's just like, you know, kind of magical when you like have a picture in your head of like, you know, you're writing like, you know, what the panels are for like Superman and then the art comes and it's like exactly how you pictured it in your head. Cause yeah, like Joe and I just really kind of vibe with like how we, how we saw Superman and the kind of like the way we wanted to depict him, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of like, kind of like that, like Christopher Reeve kind of in, in, in the DNA of the way he drew it and uh, a lot of, um, you know, just like warmth and like humanity, which is what was like the thing I wanted to come across the most in there. So, yeah, he really like delivered. So couldn't be happier. That's interesting because Superman as a character is with his powers and everything is always... <clears throat> can lend himself to stories that are so big and this was mm -hmm. such a grounded small for want of a better 
I mean, it, it's not a small story. I mean, it is small in that it's only eight pages, but it's right. intimate is probably the, the better word. Was that grounding something that made an easier approach on Superman for you? Well, I wouldn't say like easier, but I think it was just really like what I wanted to do with Superman. Like, I think like, you know, in a weird way, like, you know, he, he's got all these powers and he's invulnerable. And, and I think that's why, like, kind of the, uh, you know, there's this kind of like perception out there with a lot of people that he's like boring, you know, because you can't like, you know, you can't challenge him. It's like, you know, because he, you know, he can't be hurt. Like, you know, like, like that's why they invented kryptonite was like to kind of give people a way to like make him weak enough to like make make a fight seem interesting but like for me what's what i love about superman and what i always what i really wanted to get across is that like he's just you know he's basically like a god you know what i mean and he there's no like real like there's no real world reason why he would like be this like do-gooder you know what i mean it's like like superman I, I feel like you know we talk about like deconstruction and like what superheroes would be like in the real world i feel like a real world superman would basically be like homelander for the boys just be like or, or like one of many versions of like horrible superman where like you know basically this like supreme being who would either murder us all or rule us like a tyrant you know what i mean that's kind of like how what would make sense to me in my head of like, if someone with all those powers was like a real person. So the fact that like Superman could do all that and yet chooses to spend all his life, all his time, everything like doing good and helping people for no reward. Like there's no reward we can give him, you know, like whatever he needs, he has. So it's like, so it's really just sort of, just out of the goodness of his heart, like there's, that's what I find most interesting about Superman. And that's what I felt really passionate about. And what I was really trying to show with that story, you know, was that it's not like a cynical kind of thing. You know, I, I have very kind of uh, a lot of love for the fact that like, there is like very little cynicism in that character or there can be very little cynicism in that character. Like that's what works most what i imagine so that's that's really what i was trying to get across so mm -hmm. yeah and hopefully hopefully it did come across <laughs> uh, for, for the readers so yeah um it's 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 nice to know uh, that superman will save even the most obnoxious uh youtuber or uh, right. instagram <laughs> influencer uh you know uh yeah but if he had to drop one just you know he's having an off <laughs> yeah, day yeah, yeah. it happens yeah. what kind of youtuber would he drop you know like one of those guys who just plays minecraft all day one of those guys who just opens pokemon cards um I, I, probably probably like a paul brother uh like jake paul or uh there we go logan paul maybe i think uh <laughs> you know whoops, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, th I think i think they count as super villains yes yeah, so <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh, 
So before we move out of the, the DC realm into the numerous other places where you're working now, uh, you've got a story in the upcoming uh, Weird Love Tales anthology. Anything you can tease on yeah. that at this point? Oh, yeah. Um, sure. I, I, I can tease it because I think they actually mentioned somewhere like who I was writing, so I can talk a little bit about it. Uh, so my story is uh, it's called The Grodd Couple, and uh, it's... Uh, Flash and Gorilla Grodd um, uh, and just like I had so much fun writing this story basically like you'll see how they get there but they wind up on like a double date it was just so much fun because it was like the editor when he when he got in touch was was like we're just like it's like weird love tales was like the original title of it and it was just like they just wanted like far out like Silver Age inspired like just wacky wacky freaking stories so it was really just sort of like no holds barred like you know what i mean and and uh the one thing was i, I was uh they said that they wanted a flash story they could use any character in the flash kind of uh in the flashes like you know mm -hmm. corner of the universe and i was like uh well girl grod is one of my all-time favorite characters so so it was definitely like i have to use girl grod and um you know kind of came up with the story and then i'm thinking i'm like I'm like what's a good title i have to find like a good grod pun because that's just one of the fun things about stories is like you know there was like grod of war grod that you know what i mean so i was like yep. what's a good grod pun and i was like and i was just racking my brain and then it just like popped in and it was like the grod couple uh, and, <laughs> and like I, I i just cracked up and i was like it's got to be this or at least have to try to make it this so i was like sent it in and, and uh andrew loved it so uh so yeah but it, it, it's a really fun story it's probably i would say like one of the one of the most fun times i've had like writing like i'm like writing it and like laughing at like what the situations they were getting themselves into you know and like and then when the art started coming in and cracking up at like, you know, how, how it was being drawn. So uh, Scotty and Drew, it uh, looks great. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be out next month, like right around Valentine's Day. Excellent. Yeah, no, I, I, I do love those, those DC uh, seasonal anthologies because they're just, they're not afraid to get weird. And I, yeah, I can appreciate it's just, that. <laughs> it's just fun. Like, it's just like, you know, like, you know, it's not like, uh, yeah, there's n like no kind of like constraints as far as like, you know, like, oh, it's got to be serious. It's got to be like grim. It's, gotta, it's like, you just like, just be weird, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I loved it. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, let's let's hop to the other side of the uh, the comics pond here. Uh, last mm -hmm. month, you put out uh, Wastelander Star Lord one shot. Uh, how did that gig come about? That kind of like weirdly like came out of the blue. Um, you know, I, I have like you know a couple of editors at Marvel that I try to keep in touch with. Like I send my work to, um, and you know, there's a lot going on at Marvel, but then you know most of it is like you know kind of it's very hard to kind of get your first gig because you know you're you know say you're say you're like an editor at marvel or dc or anywhere really it's like you have an assignment 
you're probably going to check with like the people you already work with first because mm-hmm. you can, you know, you can rely on them, you know, you, you know, they can deliver. Um, but every now and then something opens up. So, you know, I, I, I just kind of got an email, um, from Mark Basso, the editor, it was just like, Hey, you know, um, we've been talking for a while and looking for something to work on you with. And, you know, would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, you know, I tried to play it cool. When I got the email, I was like, all right, I was like, take an hour right back. Don't seem too eager. You know what I mean? But like, I think I lasted like 20 minutes before I was like, yes, absolutely. Like, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you need, like I, I'm ready to jump on it. Um, and uh, what was explained to me was that basically they've been, uh, Marvel Entertainment has been doing these podcasts, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Wastelanders podcasts where they were kind of, uh, they did, Star-Lord was the first one and then Hawkeye, I think the next one is going to be Black Widow. Uh, but basically like each title that was out as part of the Wastelanders series was, is going to be like a chapter of the podcast. So, um, so basically the idea was just like to do one shots for like each of these characters to kind of because a lot of pe- people that read reading comics were like listening to podcasts a lot of maybe like podcast people might be interested in the comics so it was kind of like mm-hmm. hey like the podcast check out the comic um so that was kind of like why wastelanders came about um and then you know what we were talking about was like you know Wastelanders, like you see how it start in comics, it started with Old Man Logan, obviously. Um, but then there were, you know, like follow ups. There was Old Man Star Lord, there was Old Man Hawkeye. And the thing was, is that, like, kind of like the continuity of the podcast is a little different than the continuity of the comics, mm-hmm. kind of in the same way that, like, the movie universe is different from the comics universe. So there was a lot of kind of discussion as to, like, you know, like how we're going to kind of thread that needle because you know the books are supposed to be in the comics continuity but we didn't want to do anything that would really kind of throw anyone who is just coming in from the podcast like for for a huge loop so they wouldn't know what was going on so so that took a lot of research you know like I listened to all the podcasts I read all the older volumes um and I just was just thinking about like you know star lord and like what you know kind of like where where old man quill ended and like you know what would be what was like you know kind of a a cool way to add a little bit more to that story and um you know because spoiler alert at the end of old man quill he goes back into space and sounds like a new gardens of the galaxy but we really wanted to keep things like on earth like in the wasteland so Mm -hmm. i was thinking like well what's like you know is there anywhere in that story that i can kind of add to like what he was doing while he was still on earth and it turns out that at the end of old man quill basically like he you know saves day but he's kind of has to wait a little while for uh his ship to get repaired so I was like, okay, well, you know, you got kind of like some time to go on earth, even though it's the wasteland and, you know, things have like changed. It's like, you know, he's been on earth plenty of times and, you know, what, what would he do during that, during that time? And I was just thinking like, you know, he might like, 
if the world were devastated, you might go look up some old friends. And, mm. and then I was just thinking like, you know, in continuity, like he had, he had been engaged to Kitty Pride at one point. So I was like, you know, maybe he finds out she's dead. And, you know, before he leaves, he doesn't know when he's going to be back. He just kind of wants to pay his respects. You know, this is like somebody like, okay, like it didn't work out. They didn't get married. He married somebody else. But, you know, that that's like being engaged to somebody that that's still kind of like a bond. So, um, so I just, so it just kind of went from there. I was like, what if he like, you know, it was also a cool opportunity to like revisit like the ruins of like the X mansion Mm-hmm. And stuff like that uh which is you know the side of like the original old man logan like you know with the the massacre and stuff like that so mm-hmm. so that's kind of how i approached that story i was just kind of like thinking like you know the, the, like the first thing was like finding like where and like the timeline to put things and like why he would be going there and then from there just kind of like developing the themes of like you know him kind of regretting that he wasn't he wasn't there to like stand with the heroes you know like you know he wasn't there to to fight the villains even though like on a certain level he knows that if he had been he probably would have just been killed just like the rest of them you mm-hmm. know but so it's kind of like wrestling with that guilt and wrestling with um wrestling with all those feelings is kind of like what uh what spars the story you know and and i think the story is basically about kind of like coming to terms of like major regrets that you have and uh and being able to kind of put that stuff aside and, and move forward and do what you have to do and, and be, you know in his case like be a hero so mm-hmm. that was uh you know that was uh, yeah i don't I, it's like it's funny i don't like i know it's out and stuff but i don't want to like spoil everything about it for you know so so i'm trying to think of like how much to say and how much not but that's basically kind of you know what i was trying to say with that or or what i was trying to explore so you listened to the the podcast what did you think of the 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 voice cast there because i i have to admit both vanessa williams as emma frost that was inspired and i never expected chris elliott to to pull off rocket as well as he did but no i love i loved chris elliott as rocket that was like probably my favorite like little bit of of cast i mean i love chris elliott anyway like i I, um you know even back to like cabin boy like Mm -hmm. days and stuff i don't know if you ever saw that movie but it's it's pretty Mm -hmm. hilarious and uh get a life and stuff like that like he's he's just a really talented and and funny guy and and you know it's funny because like you know i think especially like rocket like like you know bradley cooper is really great as rocket in the movies too Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit um weird to like have like a different interpretation because you're you know you're just like it's not like like the guy like from the movies like that's what rocket always sounded like in my head so Mm -hmm. but he just pulled it off. It was just like, you know, it, it was just an amazing performance. I think all the performances were, were really great. So, yeah. And, and for those out there listening who are interested, uh, Black Widow, first episode of Black Widow dropped today as we are recording. So it'll Yeah, look, and I think it's, it's like, it's like Susan Sarandon is like Black Widow or something, right? Yeah. Like, or, yeah. 
that's like crazy. Like she's wow. like, uh, yeah, they are like sparing no expense here uh, to, <laughs> you know, on like voice casting. I haven't gotten to listen to it yet, but it was, I just, I remember seeing it in my feed this morning and it's like, Oh, oh gonna get to that one. Yeah. 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 No, they've been great. And I, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, like I say, like I was doing research, like it was like, like a real chore, to, like listen to them, but it wasn't, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that, that, that stuff that you've had come out, you've also got some stuff coming out in addition to all the big two stuff uh you know still plenty of of indie comics going on uh just last mm-hmm. week aftershock announced the ocean will take us a teen mystery conspiracy series with uh artist carlos Oliveras, uh colors uh, manuel pupo and letterer dave sharp that's due out in april uh i will go ahead and read the solicit text for the listeners uh something's lurking in the waters of Almanzar bay uh, and when Casey March tries out for the swim team, he learns firsthand that messing with the social order of his new high school can have dangerous, even deadly consequences. Uh, so how did this one end up at uh, Aftershock? This is your first time publishing with them, uh, correct? Yeah. 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 My first time at the Aftershock, um, they had been um, a publisher I've been interested in working with for a while because um, I just really like a lot of the books they've put out over the years. Um and uh, so I, 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 you know, talked to Mike Martz, uh, who's the editor in chief over there on and off for a while. And he was always very like open about like, you know, send me ideas, send me pitches. Um, and then last year, I think like um, he and some other people over there read Sea of Sorrows and they really, really liked it. So it kind of went from like, uh, yeah, send us ideas as you have them to like, we should really work on something together. So like start, you know, like let's, let's figure something out. So I was just like, you know, have like a pitch, write it up, send it over. Um, And there were a couple that like, you know, got close, like they liked, but weren't like a great fit. So, uh, so it took, took a couple of tries to like hit on it. But I think with, um, with the ocean will take us, um, you know, they just really loved loved the idea and uh, and thought it would it would be a great great fit for them. So I thought I you know it was just kind of like once they were like yeah we like this it was off to the races. Like the way I was pitching it originally was like I called it uh, fast times at Innsmouth High, like because <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea was that it was like you know like these like high school kids kind of getting involved with like, like a weird, like supernatural conspiracy. Um, and then they were like, we would love that, but you know, how does this look if you don't uh, go the Lovecraft route? And, um, and I was like, all right, like, let me give it a thought. And I'm, I'm really glad that they did because I feel like it kind of pushed me to a place where it's like a better book now, not, being like a like a Cthulhu mythos book you know mm-hmm. what I mean like uh I was able to, I think to find a really unique take on 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 a conspiracy slash cult slash thing mm-hmm. that I'm really really happy with and I don't think I would have found if they hadn't kind of um pushed me to that level so I think like you know it's it's a case where like I'm not I'm not just like 
happy it landed at Aftershock just for the sake of being at Aftershock. I think it being at Aftershock turned it into a, a much better book than it would have been like somewhere else because like working with Mike and Christina, Teddy and, and uh, Teddy Leo and the whole editorial staff over there, like they all have like really good ideas and really good notes that just like help push me, help me push the story to a lot better place. So I'm really excited about it. It's, it's kind of, it's very different from like, I think what, what a lot of people are used to for me, because like, if you've only read like Road of Bones and the Sea of Sorrows, like if that's the only thing you've ever read by me, you're going to read this and be like, what is going on here? Because, because those two books are very, very grim and very like, you know, dark and like relentless. And like this book, it's like, it's still got like, like horror to it, but I was just trying, you know, to concentrate as much on, on like, you know, like the high school stuff and like the drama there. And, and, you know, so it's a little bit like, like lighter in tone, I would say like, it's maybe closer to like a, like a Riverdale or like a Buffy kind of thing. If we're talking like, you know, um, the feel of the story, whereas like, you know, for like Road of Bones and Sea of Sorrows was like very much like this, like, like historical atmospheric, like, you know, um just like yeah like relentlessly bleak <laughs> kind of uh kind of narrative whereas like this is like a little bit different but i've like had a lot of fun like writing it i don't think it'll be as big of a shock if like you're a little more familiar with me because i think like like rota bones and csrs are like a very kind of like specific thing i do for the my you know like idw horror stuff but mm-hmm. like uh but i do like open things up tone wise i think in like a lot of my other work so so yeah so hopefully people will dig it i was i was i was kind of curious about that because i was like you know thinking about your work you know again there's there's the historical horror stuff your road of bones your sea of sorrows and then there's this you know there's the stuff you've done with joe mulvey which is like it's a very different animal and it's 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 you know sort Mm -hmm. of exercising that like brutal metal you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. a bit of the old ultraviolence, uh, as it were. And I was looking at some of, of Carlos's uh, art for this book. And, you know, you said Riverdale, like I definitely get Archie vibes from, you know, the art that I've seen, you know, so far, the same preview pages mm-hmm. that, that, you know, we've all seen in the past week. Uh, you know, that, uh, so that, that's interesting. Um, you know, how, how did, did, did Aftershock help you assemble a team for this one or how did, how did the team come together for uh, Ocean Will Take Us? Yeah, uh, for Ocean Will Take Us, it was pretty collaborative. Like um, it was basically like we all just kind of sat down and, and looked through a bunch of portfolios and throwing names back and forth, um, approaching certain people, seeing about the, the like schedules and, and things like that. And um, I forget who found Carlos. I think it might've been Mike. I'm not, not sure, but um, but basically, um, saw Carlos's work and we just thought it would be like a really great fit because it's uh, he's able to do kind of like the the supernatural kind of like uh, special effects kind of stuff, but he's also able to just really bring bring the characters to life. You know, what I mean? um, like I think like all our lead characters and our you know antagonists and every they all have like very kind of distinct personalities and and looks and um i think 
Carlos does a great job of like making everybody really, um, really stand out like in their own way. Like nobody's like really kind of like a cookie cutter and um, yeah, just, just like everything from like the, the way they're dressed to like their physicality and, and, and like, and stuff like that. He, he's really, really great at doing that. So I think, you know, you see that in the preview pages, but like, you'll definitely see that like when the book comes out and you see like more of like the main cast kind of like coming together. When you're just start, when you're working with an artist for the first time on a series, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's different from like, you've done two books with Alex Cormack. Now you've done, you know, you've worked with Joe mm-hmm. Mulvey a ton, you know, what yeah. is your sort of, I guess, getting to know you feeling out period, uh, when you're starting on a book with somebody you haven't worked with before? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like, you can see the difference in the script because um, I'll take a little more time, I think, to kind of explain things. Um, there's like a getting to know you kind of period, you know, it's, it's like, like with Alex, like, and, and Joe, I know them well enough that like, you know, if I'm asking for a visual that's going to be challenging, like I can, I know I can just kind of throw it out there and they'll find a solution for it. Whereas like with the new artist or if, if somebody I'm not like 100% have a working relationship with, I might throw out like maybe like a suggestion or something like, you know, like could be just something as simple as like, um, this is like, you know, we don't want it to like be confusing. Like, let's, you know, try to focus on X, Y, and Z and, and, and you know, make sure you're doing this. And, and but the, the thing is, the way I like to work with artists is like, um, I, I come from like just a place of like trust, you know, like if I'm working with somebody, I really mm-hmm. trust them to, um, to bring their A game to it. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, I don't, I don't like to be very, um, prescriptive or like dictatorial when I'm like, you know, talking about this because it's like, when when I, I'm like describing stuff in the script and, and because I, the way I feel is it's like, I'm working with you because you're a great artist. I want you to bring your ideas to the table. I want you to bring your expertise. If something I'm asking for isn't going to work, I want you to like tell me or I just want you to just do what works and, and we'll figure it out after you know what I mean so I think with like with the newer artists there, there is like that kind of like getting to know you period and establishing that trust you know what I mean so so it's like part of my goal is to just get them comfortable working with me to the point where like they feel like if they want to frame a shot differently or they want to add a panel or take away a panel that they can feel free to like do that or, or feel free to at least like talk to me about it. And I'm open to like changing the script. I'm open to making the book the best it can be. Like, I don't really have like an ego as far as like, you know, being like, you can't like, you know, sully my pristine words with it, you know, like uh, your ideas. Like, I mean, like the script is just kind of like a roadmap for the book. Like they're, they're, you know, the artist is the one driving the car. So it's like something's not going to work. I want to know so we can we can fix it but i like to be collaborative i like i like it much better when like the artist is like invested in it and i find that the best way to do that 
is to, you know, let them be an artist, you know what I mean? Like, like lean into their style and, and, and kind of let them bring ideas to the table, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so I think for me, working with a new artist is like about building trust and, and, it, and it's, it's like part of it is in the script and the way I like will describe things and, and the way I'll, you know, I guess like the voice in the script, but also a lot of it kind of takes place like off the page or like in conversations with like in the emails and stuff like that, where, you know, like I might like, well, this is actually like more of like in a script kind of thing, but like in a script, I might be like, you know, just try to like draw it out of them to like bring their ideas. So it's like, whereas like I might tell out, like if I was like writing something for Alex, I'd be like, okay, I want, I want this to happen. Whereas like with a newer artist, I might be like, you like, I think this, this could be cool. What, you know, like, what do you think? Like, you, you know, can you like show this show, you know, show this action happening or whatever, and just try to like get across that, like, I'm willing to kind of be deferential to them. Like Alex and Joe know that, you know what I mean? They know it already. So they know that, so I don't like have to kind of, um, like overdo it like in the script but like I think with like a newer artist I try to just be very clear that like I'm open to them bringing their ideas and them like you know bringing their their way of doing it and like you know marrying it to whatever's in the script rather than saying like it has to be this way while we're uh while we're on the topic of uh artists I also want to say uh the uh, variant cover that Hayden, Hayden Sherman did for the first issue oh yeah it's boss so good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> So good. I like, uh, yeah, I like uh, message him like specifically. I was like, I was like, dude, this is like an amazing cover. And uh, yeah, he, he, he uh, very gracious about it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I love I love what he did there. Uh, we Luckily, I'm going to get probably get a copy or two in my car. Nice. So. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we did get a, uh, a question in from our uh, frequent Twitter inquisitor, Asimov Fangirls, who asks, why do you think uh, we still have that, that primal fear slash beef uh, with the sea? I, I think there's two reasons. Number one is it's, uh, it's just an elemental force. You can't, you can't fight the ocean and win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a storm, all you could do is run and hide, you know, like you're in there, you know, if you're, if you're like, you know, if a wave like knocks you down, it's not like you can like punch the ocean back or anything like that. You know, it's like, you know, the ocean is going to win. It is, it's, it is a primal force of nature. It's so power, like it's so much more kind of like powerful than we are. It's like, you know, it's like saying like, you know, like why are mice skittish around humans? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just like, it's just so far beyond anything we're able to kind of like deal with um, that, you know, we just kind of have this like primal, I think, fear of it. And then, but then the other thing is that, you know, you kind of can't always see what's going on there. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're, if you're walking out into the, walking out into the ocean, could be a lovely day at the beach like you know something moves past your leg it's like is it seaweed 
is it a barracuda? Is it the hand of a, you know, some kind of like a mermaid or something? You know, it's like, you don't know. And, and, and there's like something like a little bit like freaky about that, you know, that, because it, it's married to that feeling of not, you know, like when you're dealing with the ocean, like you're not in control. You're not, you know what I mean? If you're on a boat, you're not in control. If you, you know, no matter what, like you're just not in control and, and there's a way to embrace that like surfing is a way to embrace that you know what i mean like surfing sailing is all about like you know using that like knowing you're not in control but like you're kind of using that uh the power of the ocean to get you where you want to go but you have to kind of like go with what the ocean wants you to do the waves going right you can't go left you know what i mean it's like you know it's like you're going where the wave wants to take you, whether you, whether you want to or not. Like, so I think like that's really kind of like the source of that is that there's just no way to kind of really be fully in, in control of what the ocean's going to do. So, you know, there's like you have to kind of let go, and letting go can be really scary. Uh, and then we've got we've got one more book to talk about. Uh, you also just launched uh, Happy Hill at Comics Tribe yeah. with the aforementioned Joe Mulvey, uh, your partner on The Wailing Blade, along with uh, Chris Sotomayor on colors and uh, Hassan Otsman Elhow on letters. Uh, Matt, you want to mm-hmm. take this uh, solicited uh, copy? Happy Hill is a posh resort in the Catskill Mountains of New York that promises that its guests will leave truly happy. The only problem being that many of them never leave at all. Wyatt Willows is obsessed with the place and its connection to the woodsman, a horned, masked figure that most people think is an urban legend, but who he knows is both real and deadly. When a child goes missing on the grounds of Happy Hill, the investigation uncovers a dark secret hidden and an unstoppable supernatural menace aiming to make this vacation permanent. Uh, so touched on this a little bit uh, briefly earlier but you know when you're working with joe i I feel like you're at your most comfortable to like just egg each other on to do the most like brutal cartoonishly violent stuff (laughs) is that is that fair to say (laughs) oh yeah very fair to say like it's a conversation we have at least once per issue where he'll say is this too over the top and i'm like no you know, or I'll be like, is that too over the top? He's like, no, I love it. <laughs> just kind of like have this thing, I guess, maybe we're, we're trying to like kind of top each other or like, you know, see who's going to go too far. But like, it's always like, it's always like a really cool idea. <laughs> so, so we haven't gotten there yet. Um, yeah. Happy Hill is a lot of fun. It's, it's like kind of, um, like a horror comedy, I guess. Like I could see it being like a really good, like kind of tongue-in-cheek, like '80s movie or something. You know, like because mm-hmm. um, you know it is it is pretty horrible and, and like horrific, and and there are like some pretty horrific deaths in there. But like we're also like we're just having like a lot of fun with it. So um, like Happy Hill kind of came about like Joe. It, it, it's like Joe's baby way before it was my baby. Like. It's an idea he had like for many years and was like developing. And then, um, you know, we worked together on Whaling Blade and found we worked really well together. Um, so 
he had been telling me about Happy Hill even while we were working on Lonely Blade, like just the idea he had and he was writing it, he was drawing it. And then at a certain point, he was just like, hey, you know, like, I really love the way you write and the way you kind of like cut to the heart of like story. And he's like, I feel like he's like, I'm happy with where it is, but I just like, I'm not like, like super happy you know he's, he's like he's like I feel like there's like some stuff that is not hitting the way I want it to hit and like I would just love your opinion on you know how to how to fix it just like writer to writer so we started just going back and forth where like he would be sending me like um kind of like the scripts and, and, and ideas and stuff and I would tell him like what I thought and then he, at a certain point he was just like would you would you be down to like co-write it with me and I was like yeah man i mean i love this story i love working with you like i was like i only have one condition i was like it's 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 mulvey in big letters duet in small letters like you get top billing this is your story and i was like and i don't want you know i was like and i'm here to like help you like i'm not i'm not here to like turn this into like the rich duet show you know what i mean i was like i was like I was like, I know the story means a lot to you. It's something that you really want me to do for a long time. So all, all I want to do is just help you make it the best it can be. Like, I don't want to like, um, you know, steal your like thunder or whatever. And Joe is like one of the most like nice and humble guys like I've ever met. And he's, he's just like, he's like, no, I don't give a crap about that. He's like, he's like, you know, like, and I'm just like, no, no, no. I'm like, if you don't say yes, like, if you don't agree to this, like, I'm not going to do it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, you, you gotta like, you know, kind of like commit to it. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, you know, like we, we gotta make this like, we gotta make this great, but it's like, it's, it's gotta be, you know, like true to like what you want it to be. So, you know, I, I talked them into it and, uh, and, we, and we've been working on it ever since. So, but it's it's been great, you know, because like even like with Wailing Blade, like we would kind of like bounce things back and forth as far as like you know, like I was saying before, like as far as like collaborating goes, you know, like like he would have like um, he might have like an idea for like a plot point or something, and 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 then I would you know take that into consideration and and and, and roll with it. Um, so this was just sort of like. Joe taking the lead a little bit more, but me doing like everything I can to like, you know, be somebody he can like rely on to, you know, run stuff by and, and make sure that like everything's working and, and also be able to like bring a little bit of my own ideas and my own like flavor to the party, you know, as far as like dialogue goes or, or, you know, um, plot points and things like that. Like, you know, I do have stuff, but it's like, you know, it's kind of like the, like final decision, like, like rests with him, you know, like that's kind of like how, how I've been approaching it. But, um, but it is like our book, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's kind of become something that we've, we've created together. And I think like, definitely like over the course of like the five issues, we've kind of like gelled more and more, like as we're going along. So it's not like, um, yeah, it's funny. It's it's not like we don't. It, it's almost like uh, 
we have like an abundance of like cool ideas and spend a lot more time like kind of pruning it down and being like, okay, well, we only have five issues and we're not gonna be able to like get all of this done. So we have to like pick like, you know, the stuff that's that's gonna work and the stuff that's gonna be true to the story. But it's not like, there's no like kind of like fighting back and forth. Like, you know, like I hate this idea or I hate that idea. It's like, it's just like, yeah, this would be cool, but we might not be able to fit it in. So let's just put it on the side. And if we get to do more down the road, you know, I kind of get back to it. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it's a super fun book. And it's like, you know, Joe, just like, like you said, he just got this like talent for just doing like, over the top grizzly, like, like uh, horrible murder scenes that are, are just, you know, uh, really fun to look at. So um, I'm really excited about, about it coming out. Um, kind of actually took us a little bit by surprise because we thought it was not going to be out till the end of the month, but apparently Diamond shipped it a little bit early. So, so, uh, so we kind of like. It's nice to hear about like, book shipping early. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never it's got to happen. <laughs> but like for us, we were just like, okay, we can kind of relax, like get all our ducks in a row and we'll be ready, you know, for like, you know, as far as like talking about it and doing promo, like, we're, you know, like we'll be ready for like the last week last week of January and then it was like oh wait no we got to go now so, so it was like a little bit of a scramble but uh but you know it was great it's great to have it out there because I think you know not only is it like a fun book I think Joe is like doing some of the best work like um of his career on it because you know he's really like invested in it and really um like passionate about making it like a, a really good looking book and then um Soto and uh, and Hassan are just amazing in and of themselves. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, basically like, you know, everything everything I've ever seen like Chris do over Joe's artwork, like um, just like amplifies like how, how great it looks. Um, and then like Haas is just an amazing letter. Like he, he's like innovative and like, you know, willing to kind of like push the boundaries and, 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 and do things that um, are just not like your kind of the kind of lettering that like, you know, feels like mailed in or something. Like he really mm -hmm. thinks about like every page and, uh, and had, you know, and I'm like what we're trying to do. So I, I just think like the first issue came out really, really great. Second issues uh, and third issues are looking, looking even better. And uh, I think Joe's finishing up issue four right about now as far as drawing goes so mm -hmm. so we're pretty well ahead of the game nice but uh yeah it's a great book it's a lot of fun like you know joe like if you've ever met joe i don't know if you guys have but he has an like a hilarious amazing sense of humor he's just like one of the funniest people i know so a lot of that kind of humor comes through in these uh like in this crazy situations that we have our characters in um so yeah great book I'm excited for everybody to be able to read it. Matt, I don't know. Uh, I, before, before you get into that, I'm just, I'm, I, I, I'm thinking if we're keeping stats, this might be the fourth straight week uh, our guest has uh, praised Haas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Deserve, deserving oh, each time. It's just, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah, I said I mean, last yeah. time, Haas, you're hearing this. We want you on the show. Drop us a line, man. Yeah, he's on. He's on. He's on. He's on his game. You know, it's like uh, I mean, 
you know, lettering is one of those things that it's like um, an often like kind of under underappreciated uh, art, you know, like um, it's funny because like I know when I was first starting out, like I had kind of had a background in um, in graphic design, like, you know, there, there I spent a few years um working in graphic design uh, and advertising. So I know how to use Photoshop. I know how to use Illustrator. I know how to use uh, InDesign. Um, most lettering is done in Illustrator. So when I was like starting, I was like, oh, save a few bucks, you know, like I don't need to hire a letter. I, I could, you know, figure it out. Like, so went online, read a couple of tutorials and just did it. And yeah. it's like, not that it was bad, but, when I, 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 when I lettered my first five page short story and then when I, you know, would show it to people, a lot of the criticism I would get be getting back was around the lettering. So I was like, all right, maybe I should get it lettered. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. I found somebody to do it and who had a lot more experience than I did. And it was like, it was like night and day, you know what I mean? And, and stuff that I didn't even really know to look for as far as like, you know, leading the eye around the page and, and, you know, how to, you know, shapes of like balloon tails and, and stuff like that, just like little nuances and stuff that I wasn't experienced enough to know, but it really does, really does make a difference, you know? And it was the sort of thing where like, if I had put a lot more time into it, it probably could have gotten better, but I really wanted to concentrate on the writing. So I think like, like the best way, like, to appreciate letters, yeah, it's like try, try and letter your own, try and letter your own thing like once, and and you'll see that it's not as it's not as easy as just like you know, oh, just draw a circle and and you know copy and paste the text into it. It's like not that at all. There, there's a lot of like um, skill that goes into it. So when you find a great letter like Haas or like Justin who uh, you know did uh, wrote of bones and CSROs, like he, <laughs> you know hold on to them like you know I, I hope hopefully we'll be working with those guys for like a really long time you know because mm -hmm. I'll just anytime I have like a project it's like they're like the first two names on my list so of people to you know get in touch with I think it from some of the stuff you just said that that design for the woodsman kind of came to you fully formed from Joe I mean, that's that is one of those iconic slasher designs that all you know your yeah. great slashers, your Freddies, your Jasons, your Michaels, your Leatherfaces all sort of need to have as, as part of that genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the the woodsman design was like all, all Joe, like uh, and like I said, it's an idea that's been in his head for for quite a long time. So even before, like. Uh, he had started working on the book like he's been like sketching that dude for like a while so um he tells the story way better than me but i think where it comes from was he was in like some sort of like antique store or like a thrift store or something and he saw uh, an old picture uh of like it was like an old family or something and, and like the one of the guys had on like the gas mask and then like it just sort of like started playing in his head like you know he kept like thinking of, of this image and sketching it and sketching it and, and doing different stuff and and that's 
that's how it came about. Um, but yeah, it's it's really like uh, iconic, like like with the the gas mask, the antlers, the huge coat, you know. Um, but uh, you know, I think like what I kind of helped was more of like the um, the motivations and the backstory and stuff like that. You know, was able to kind of contribute that way. Um, but yeah. I take no credit for the look of it. That was uh, all Joe. But just another example of like, you know, his, his like great eye for character design. Like, you know, he, he's, he designed the head taker and, and all the characters in, uh, in Wellingly that I thought were amazing designs as well. So, you know, he's got an knack for it. With uh, this book coming from a a smaller publisher versus, you know, doing a DC story or, or, uh, you know, even a, even a book at Aftershock, how much more of the lifting do you feel you need to do in terms of like marketing and like tweeting and just letting, you know, readers, retailers know, Hey, this exists. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty good. You should buy it slash sell it at your shop. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot more legwork involved as far as like reaching out to shops and and um, letting them know and getting them excited because you know like Aftershock has its own marketing department. You know what I mean? Like uh, they have like a whole outreach program with like um, Aftershock ambassadors. I'm not sure if that's the exact term, but it's basically it's like you know Aftershock will will find people to like go out to like local comic shops and in, in their area and hype hype the books and stuff like that. Whereas like Comic Tribe is a much smaller publisher and also recent years has been focusing a lot more on Kickstarter um, and and doing really successful Kickstarters, which we did for Happy Hill and and like that Kickstarter like went through the roof, you know, so it was a great experience, but then it was like so we fulfilled all the Kickstarter orders. Now we want to bring it to the, you know, wider kind of comic comics buying audience that goes to stores. So, you know, we did have to do a lot of, you know, phone calls and mailers and stuff like that. But, you know, we got like a really good response, like, you know, from, from a lot of retailers that were like friendly with and have built relationships over the years. Um, like Third Eye Comics has been hugely supportive. I think we're actually going to be doing a signing there um next week down in maryland so you know it's you know retailers are like they have a lot a lot going on but you know like like um a lot of them are very happy to you know support indie books and and at least give it a look you know and um you know get the word out to their customers and stuff so you know tweeting and stuff i think is is not that much different because i just tend to tweet a lot about my books no matter where <laughs> no matter where they're coming out but uh but um yeah as far as like the retailer stuff it's like we, you know you you kind of have to take a little bit more of that upon yourself but mm -hmm. you know it's it's cool it's just kind of like you know legwork which i'm not afraid of so so it occurs to me uh rich uh as we mentioned you've been on the show three times now but uh, despite it being one of the regular segments of our show, I don't think we've actually asked you about your cats. Oh, okay. Tell us about your cats. Yes, boy. Well, we got two. You might have seen one crawling up on me before. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, two uh, sisters named uh, Izzy and Tasha. Uh, we got them a little bit over a year ago. They're like about like a year and a half old now. Huh. You know, cat teenagers. <laughs> they can get a little pissy. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're sisters. We got them uh, from, from a litter, the rescue litter. Um, I think they were born in somewhere in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I live in Montclair, which is not too mm-hmm. far. So, But uh, yeah, they're my girls. They're uh, a couple of sweethearts. So yeah, Izzy and Tasha. Very nice. Very nice. I saw you, you guys have a couple of cats, right? Like, I do. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt, I definitely saw one uh, crawling, crawling in front of the camera yep, there that, a couple that, of times. Yep, that is why I record with the bed in the upright position, because it means she usually comes in <laughs> and settles down on me for a while and is not on my yeah. way so she can go about and do other things. And Bess still has her, <laughs> her perch. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Dan? You got a uh, I, a I am or? a dog daddy. Uh, I got I have two miniature uh, dachshunds, so uh, it's it's a good pairing because you know that I'm the dog guy, Matt's the cat guy, and uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, again the our our show uh, uh, stack keepers are are uh, ticking off uh, which of our guests have uh, dogs versus cats, <laughs> fierce uh, competition, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, right, we'll put another in the cat column. There, yeah. So. <laughs> Matt, Matt is ahead right now. There was a dog streak for a while, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. More, uh, more, more cat people recently. Um, speaking of David Bowie, but uh, what are you, what are you reading right now? <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm reading uh, that Texas Blood. Mm-hmm. Dig that book a lot. Um, I, um, I just got the new. Um, I think the volume two. Uh, trade just came out it's been a lot it's a really good book um it's like a very kind of like almost like when i describe it 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 reminds me a lot of like fargo kind of like coen brothers kind of like american crime like um weird interconnected stuff um but uh image image book it's really good um i've been reading uh moon knight reading a lot i just like the character a lot and i also like jed mckay's writing Mm -hmm. just in general so um i started reading him on black cat and then when he started reading moon knight i really kind of got into it um that's been a really good run so far too um because i'm always like popping into uh east side mags that's my local shop um you know picking up like a couple things here and there um uh, you guys know uh, Hotel by John Lees? Yeah, actually, we just had John on the show last uh, yeah. week. Yeah, John's a good friend, um, but he's also a great, great writer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I love all his like horror stuff. Like Sink is great in the hotel. It's just like he's like a twisted little monkey in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but, uh, he's got he, Hotel is great, and Crimson Cage is really good too. Um, yeah, his other his other. Uh, your book uh if you're into wrestling at all um or uh shakespeare or, or horror yeah i think 
any 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 two out of three or of those or you know three out of three like you know you're gonna love that book um so yeah that that's those are three i've been like you know really like making a point to like keep up with recently well uh rich uh we appreciate you coming back this has been a fantastic uh hour and change uh final question before we let you go how can people follow you online and keep up with uh the ocean will take us and happy hill and every everything else got everything else you got going on Sure. Um, so yeah, you can find me on uh, on Twitter or Instagram uh, at rduek. That's R D O U E K. Uh, I'm on Twitter a lot more than I'm on Instagram, just because uh, it's easier for me to type than uh, draw stuff. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'm on both of those. Uh, I also have a, a newsletter uh, that you can sign up for at um, if you go to my website, which is rduek.com. Uh, there's a newsletter tab you can click on there I, I try to get that out like bi-weekly sometimes it's you know it might be like three weeks in between I don't know but um, the newsletter is a lot of fun because I can go into a lot more depth than I can like uh, in a tweet so I try to kind of balance it between like talking about my own work but also talking about like stuff we've been talking about like you know like getting into the industry and like you know my writing process and things like that like I did a whole like post a whole um newsletter about like you know what it was like like getting asked to pitch at Marvel and like how I approached it and stuff like that so you know just try and give people a little more like in-depth um view into what what I'm what I'm doing and and how I'm doing it um so yeah but I think like to keep up with if you don't feel like newsletter you know hit me up on Twitter I'm always like, you know, happy to answer questions and I love talking to people. So um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Right on. Well, Rich, thank you so much for coming back on the show. No, thank you for guys for having me. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom, Chris is on Infinite Earths, and the new Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by our own Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. A $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection, a $3 donation get you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at Comics XF, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Cat Purcell from Comics XF, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and Comics XF, at Comics XF. And until next week, remember, when there was one set of footprints in the sand, that's when the Hulk carried you. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.